One of the things we do is called reminiscing. So we'll bring a plant, we'll talk about plants, and we'll say, okay, tell us about a time when you grew this plant when you were younger. You know, and they'll go through the, these people that have dementia that um, might be a little bit more advanced. We'll, we'll go through and they'll tell us the whole story of their childhood of like their grandparents or their parents growing vegetables and having a garden. And one of the most impactful situations I, I had with that was there was a woman that came, always came, highly engaged. Uh, she would water our plants in the, that we had in the garden when we weren't there. And the uh, activity director there told me, they said, this is the only activity she comes to. Her husband died a while back and she sits in her room all day until we come. So that's the, you know, so it's like, I just thought I was gardening with, <laughs> with her, yeah. really. She was doing something, this was such a meaningful thing for her. She would not do anything else, but come out when we were doing our garden time. Uh, and so that, that really kind of like, this is really important. Like we got to do this and we got to find a way to get this to anybody and everybody. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello everybody and welcome to Here We Are Today. I am at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. I'm at the UT Gardens as part of the One Health Initiative program. Came in for a week during this One Health Day, a day each year where they try to really focus on public communication for the One Health program, which you've heard me talk about on this show. And I came in for a week and got to interview a bunch of awesome people that are involved. And I'm so thrilled to talk with Derek Stowell. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So our listeners are going to be very excited about what you do. I was talking to you before we started recording that we uh, uh, talk some about mental health on the show, and it's always a uh, really popular topic with a lot of our listeners. And you do something really interesting I had kind of never heard of before. You do uh, horticultural therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, <laughs> is that you make plants feel better? Is that <laughs> that's what the what people think of first. Or you, you're helping the plants, but really what we're doing is we're working with people using plants as a tool to help improve their health and well-being. Okay. So to set things up, why don't you just uh, share a little bit of your background and kind of how you got into this? Sure. So um, when I was younger, I was in high school, started doing a lot of hiking and spending a lot of time in nature uh, and really wanted to develop a career in that field. So I went and got a bachelor's degree in outdoor recreation. And after that, uh, I learned about a program called therapeutic recreation. So I came back, uh, got a master's degree in that from University of Tennessee, uh, and I helped run camps for kids with disabilities over uh, several years. Um, <clears throat> worked for a, a national nonprofit for about five years and then got this job here at the UT Gardens. And so when I was here, I, I kind of didn't know what to do with the therapeutic kind of thing background that I had. And uh, someone mentioned to me, I think my boss uh, was like, well, there's a thing called horticultural therapy. And I was like, <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Uh, so I started looking into that, um, got registered as a horticultural therapist, took some additional coursework and started developing programs here at the UT Gardens. Really cool. So I have the same question. What is horticultural therapy? Um, so, yeah, it is the use of horticulture as a therapeutic tool for uh, improving somebody's health or well-being. 
Um, typically, uh, horticultural therapy is done as part of treatment, as someone's treatment plan. So someone gets sick, someone goes to a hospital, uh, someone has a mental health issue, uh, they go see, uh, um, go get treatment. And so one of the options that someone can have with that treatment is working with a horticultural therapist to do programming. Uh, and so we use plants uh, as a way to help improve uh, the health of the individual based on what their goals are. And, and so that's kind of the, the, in a nutshell, quick version of what it is. So this is on, uh, this is kind of on a case by case basis. This isn't uh, uh, some like standard, Hey, I'm sad. Can I just walk through your gardens yeah. here and have a, so, so, so you, you take each individual, figure out their specific situation and then develop a specific program for each individual. Right. And now I'm like, well, now I got to tell you everything I have going on and <laughs> figure out what plants I need to start taking care of. Uh, so, so how does that work? How does that process so work? It varies depending on where you go. Like, um, like we have programs we offer here. So we do programs for groups of individuals. Um, <clears throat> other places might, someone might work as a private practitioner, so they might have their own practice where people can contact them and then they can meet and do programming. Uh, a lot of our work is in group settings and there's a really good benefit for that when we're talking about social interaction, um, and social connectedness. Uh, but a lot of, it, it, and it varies again, different places. One of the things that a lot of people like about the profession is that it is, uh, it's very unique. Uh, and it allows people uh, to use their own creativity when they're developing how they run their programs. Um, there's some general science base behind why we're doing it and what we what we do. Uh, but then we have the ability to be creative, which people that really like plants or into plants kind of uh, are very creative individuals a lot of times too. So it really works well with that that group of individuals. Mm. So what is what's the group therapy like? Um, so we do a variety of programs. Um, one of our main programs we do is working with assisted living facilities. And so we go to facilities. Uh, and so then they have their residents there. Some of them maybe just older adults. Others may have dementia or Alzheimer's. And so we do a group session. So we do uh, different plant topics. We create uh, plant activities based on seasons, based on some goals that we're trying to achieve with the group. Uh, and then we run that in a group. So uh, and it varies uh, depending on our staffing and, and their, their, their interest. You know, we'll have five to 10 people in a group. And uh, those sessions usually last about an hour. We've worked also in the past with veterans. And so we'll do a program. We've done a program here at the gardens where we've had a group of veterans come in. It was a six week program where we ran uh, activities here that are horticulture based. And that really focused a lot on uh, depression, anxiety and stress uh, and veterans who have had some kind of trauma. Uh, and so as a way to uh, improve uh, their overall mental wellness. So do you know some of the history of horticultural therapy? Because I, a lot of people, I mean, when I first heard about it, it just kind of made sense. You think, you know, my, my grandma, uh, actually um, th three out of my four of my grandparents when I was growing up were very big into gardens and and it was it always seemed like kind of one of the better healthier things that they did for themselves and this makes all you you hear about people talking i've talked to plants in my life i might have been a, in altered states because of plants at the time that i was talking to plants but you hear about people talking with plants and and uh and gardening as hobbies and and things and it was it just something that 
just kind of naturally emerged from that? The profession is young compared to other allied health professions. However, it has a long history. And some of those things have been documented uh, in the past, such as, uh, you know, in uh, monasteries in Europe uh, where they work with hospice patients, so patients that were end of life. Um, they found that being outside and being around plants and caring for plants just helped improve those individuals' life. Um, there's some other stories, and this is really anecdotal kind of stuff, but like ancient Egypt, the, the uh, royalty were prescribed go going out in gardens that had mental health problems. Um, in the uh, United States, uh, an individual named Dr. Benjamin Rush, who was the, considered the father of psychiatry uh, back in the 1800s, he actually uh, signed the Declaration of Independence. Uh, so he ran a hospital that uh, people went and, you know, um, back in those times when people became sick, particularly with mental illnesses, they were kind of institutionalized. So he ran some facilities like that. But what he documented was he noticed that the patients that were there uh, that went out and did work in the garden and in the farm setting were more uh, focused and had less manic behaviors and were more calm. And so he noted those, those differences. The profession really started developing a lot more around the time of World War I and World War II. So, you know, we had, which, which a lot of healthcare advances happen when wars happen because you've got all these people coming back with severe injuries. Uh, and so they started uh, noticing um, veterans were coming back in the hospitals and so garden clubs would come and do programs with them. And they started seeing all this, what, I, what you kind of say, just observation like, oh, these people, you can tell they feel better just by watching what they're doing and interacting with the plants. Um, and from that, they started developing, um, it actually grew out of occupational therapy. So uh, it's, you know, gardening can, can our horticulture work can kind of be an occupation. And so occupational therapists started using it. Uh, and then in the 70s, we kind of created our own nonprofit uh, uh, professional organization where we started doing more research focused specifically on horticulture. So that's kind of the, the long story of how it's happened and how it developed over the years. It's just people seeing the difference. Um, one of the things that I think um, I like to bring the attention to people, uh, particularly when we're talking about mental health and, and behavioral health, is um, <clears throat> as a therapist, you know, when you're in therapy, you're, there's usually like a set start and stop, you know, and it's, that's set by a lot of different things like regulations, insurance, the money you have to pay for it. Um, but part of this, uh, part that's of That's always the fun <laughs> part, too. You're right in the middle of a breakthrough. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of the things that I, as a therapist that I believe that is important to understand is that um, there are therapeutic benefits from interacting with plants and caring for plants, whether you're in treatment or whether you're not. And so as a therapist, I always want people to understand that, you know, there might be a time you need to see a therapist and you, you need to get intervention, whether it's uh, in a hospital or in a treatment facility. Um, but my goal is to give you skills so when you're out, you can maintain these things that you learn there. And so learn uh, how to deal with stress and anxiety and you know how to deal with depression. And so horticulture provides a really great way to do that because it's something you can do anywhere you go, uh, whether you have a house or live in an apartment. Uh, you can grow plants in pots and containers. You can have an acre garden in the backyard if you have that much space and time. I, I travel a lot. I even, I had a, I had a small, um, just a succulent in my in my windshield uh, on the last tour that I had. I even just had a little uh, small garden in my in my windshield as I was driving around everywhere. But it, it's uh, one of the things that seems like um, 
is interesting is just kind of giving someone a ta- giving something to care for. It seems counterintuitive. Usually, when I'm my most depressed, the last thing that I want to do is add more responsibilities right. <laughs> onto my life. But there's something really um, interesting about having this stable thing that needs to be attended to, you know, multiple times a week or perhaps daily um, that that kind of gives the mind something like pretty manageable, but that that needs to be done on a regular basis. Yeah. And that's really what makes this work and why it, it has these connections. So there's a there's research that shows just simply being around plants can help improve your mood uh, and reduce your stress. Um, there's a study from the 80s, this guy named Dr. Roger Oreck, where he looked at patients who had had surgery and he uh, documented how the patients that had windows at, in the recovery rooms that faced trees versus windows that faced oh, other things. I, I think I remember um, seeing that. And so there were some significant differences, which we, ha- we had to do with less pain medicine, quicker recovery. So just simply looking at plants and being around plants has these therapeutic effects. Um, but when we talk about horticultural therapy, it's also about the growing and the caring for the plant. Uh, and I use it a lot, particularly with, uh, with the behavioral health programs I work in, is it, I, I create, you can create a lot of metaphors of like caring for this plant. Like, why is this plant dying? You know, what's going on with this plant? And you know, how does that relate to you? You know, well, I know it needs water or I know it needs sunlight. It's like, and then we, we can make those connections like, okay, so what are some things you need to keep yourself healthy? Uh, and it really allows people to, one, like you mentioned, take care of something other than ourselves. So it kind of gets us out of ourselves a little bit and into something else. Uh, but also then realize that I need to, as attentive I am to this plant, I need to be that attentive to myself and my own mental health and 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 recognize when things happen. So hopefully I don't get in a crisis situation. I might be in a crisis situation. I know that I've, I've got resources to go there, but if I can maintain uh and and understand where I'm at and how I'm feeling today, I know I might be able to do something to prevent something more serious from happening to myself. I'm worried that I would just get more down on myself watching all of my plants die. I am I am a I'm a very low in conscientiousness kind of individual. But I think it would be it would, the part of the thing is I'm I'm on the road so much. There's uh uh this favorite rapper of mine is very thoughtful and and talks a lot about mental health um aesop rock and and he has a song about plants overgrowing in his house when he's uh gone on the road and he has a great line about i can barely keep a cactus alive when i'm present when i'm gone it's a groundbreaking botanical effort uh and just and and talks about the irony of uh of things being more alive when he exits <laughs> and, and overrun and and that's i that resonates <laughs> with me where i'm like i I, w- I would worry about i get excited about things i'll be like i'm gonna get into horticulture this is gonna be so therapeutic for me i'll buy too many plants to start i'll manage them really well for a while it'll change my life for a little bit and then i'll be out of town for a little too long and come back and everything will be overrun and then I'll be like, ah, I can't even, I screwed up plants too. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's funny. So I do other just garden education too. And that's, you know, when I introduce this to people, uh, or introduce plants in general, 
the number one comment I get is I have a brown thumb or a black thumb. I kill everything. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things I know is like I also kill plants. So, yeah. you know, I've got I, I do this for a living and, and I am always learning myself and I'm making mistakes and seeing things happen. You know, plants have a lifespan, you know, just like we do. So we have to, you know, not all plants are going to live forever, too. Um, but, you know, what I try to do is help give people some ideas of things to start small. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, getting all these plants and having to manage all them, particularly too in a, in a, in a, in a houseplant situation, one of the main killers of houseplants is people just overwater them. Mm -hmm. And so they'll water it and they'll water it and they'll water it and then they'll see it start drooping and they'll think it needs more water and they give it more water yeah. <laughs> while you're, you're, you're drowning the plant. <laughs> so, uh, and so part of what I do not only is the growing the plants, but the education about plants you know, there are some houseplants that need more water than others. And so there's some, you know, some choices you can make of what plant works well. Uh, one activity that I really enjoy uh, doing and working with groups in, particularly in, in with behavioral health, is uh, called growing microgreens. And so that is simply microgreens are, you know, planting edible plants, uh, usually kind of the cool season vegetables, uh, lettuces, broccolis, kales, cabbage, radishes, um, and then growing them until the point where uh, the, stint, the, tr the leaves just come out. So they're only gonna be about two or three inches tall. Uh, and then you harvest those and it's like a little micro salad. They're packed full of nutrients, so they're healthy for you. Uh, the other thing about it is uh, they only grow for seven days. So if you're, if you're the, you know, when you sow the seed, it takes about seven days to germinate. And then you harvest 17, seven to 14 days or so, depending on which plant. And what I like with that is it's an instant, quick, uh, results of something. And if I'm not good at long-term caring for something, I can, I can probably grow these plants for about 14 days before, you know, I need to harvest them. And then I can see some quick success with that too. So that's also, you know, part of the therapist is like looking at what are some things that we're working on goals? Uh, is it immediate gratification or are we looking at long-term gratification? So like somebody that may have a substance abuse issue, you know, um, seeing the today versus looking at the long-term effect of, you know, sobriety, could be something to think about and you can look at plants well if i sow a seed and i'm trying to harvest a uh, let's say a pumpkin you know it takes about 180 days or so to get that fruit uh and so that's a long-term investment when we're talking about you know like sobriety or, or managing those things or even our mental health really it's a long-term investment but we have some short-term things we can do now um to manage it so that's a few ideas to try to mm. keep on having this book pop into my head i think the name of it is Ikigai. I'm terrible at pronunciating things. Um, but it's it's kind of, the the, the book took um, uh, some of the regions which happen to be in Japan of the world that have people live kind of the longest, healthier, uh, I think it was just the densest population of, or, or the highest population of people over 100 years old and kind of looks at uh, what their lifestyles are like and how they're kind of different than other regions and um, a lot more community oriented and stuff. But a lot of it was about how uh, how almost everyone at least has some small garden. They're they're making some of their own food, and it's uh, I mean clearly clearly not just about getting fresh healthy food which is also great for you but just the act of um caring for it and managing it uh each day seems to have these uh, 
incredible benefit. So, I mean, you, you think about horticulture making you like uh, s snapping you out of a funk or something like that, or having something to manage, or uh, it, uh, a possible treatment program for addiction or something like that. But to think like this is something that people are doing that are that are regularly living over a hundred years old. That's that's how much of a difference a culture of gardening can yeah. can make in a place. Yeah, and I think it's uh, if you look at you know the pandemic that you know we've everybody's gone through. Uh, Wait, what was it? what pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, we, we one of the things that we noticed here was you know we kept our gar our gardens was open. We never shut. And the amount of people, you know, because they, you know, you couldn't go inside or, you know, all these questions about what your health and, you know, getting sick. We had so many people come to the garden as a way to de-stress and as a way to connect with people again in a setting that was not just, you know, in a room, but outside where, you know, supposedly was safer. <laughs> uh, but um, and then also some other things, you know, people started growing uh, gardens again. People, were, you know, and some of that was maybe some fears about everything that was happening, but People are like, wow, I can, they got into gardening. You know, the the seed, demand for seeds, I think one of the seed companies said it grew 300%. Oh, there there were, there was some online gardening company that, that they, they had just started like maybe two or three months before the pandemic. I mean, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you would have thought this company started <laughs> the, the pandemic just because their business just exploded during this time. People found comfort in that, found yeah. comfort in growing vegetables and, you know, realizing that, well, I can't get to the store, but I can go outside and pick a tomato I've been growing. Um, and so I think like the similar thing you're talking about with the, those individuals that live over 100, you know, it's. Um, being outside uh, the gardening and, and horticulture, you know, you have, there, there's mental benefits. Um, they're beginning to look at uh, biomarkers. And so this is like, you know, immune, uh, your immune system and how it reacts to it, uh, lowered stress. And then you're also looking at the physical benefits. So gardening is uh, considered a moderate physical activity, which we're supposed to get uh, physical activity throughout the week to reduce overall uh, health issues too. So, you know, going out and, and gardening, it's, it's a form of physical activity. So maybe you don't like running, but you can go out and, and do some garden work. Uh, so it's that combination of the physical, the mental, uh, the social, uh, you know, and, and for some people, the spiritual, you know, connection to plants and life uh, are all part of these things that kind of work to make horticultural therapy uh, such an impactful thing that people realize. It. So, you know, like you mentioned, people are doing, using the therapeutic benefits of plants and not even realizing it. Uh, and as a therapist, that's when I work with somebody that needs some help, I'm able to help give that, bring that to them. So then they realize the the, the power behind those plans. I, I would say that I'm more tuned in than your average person to various um, mental health and well, and, and that that's not, I live in America, so that's a low bar. I, I would just say like, I'm, a, I'm in the top 50 percentile, let's say of just, you know, I've been to therapy, I, I've, I've, talked about mental health on on my show i'm into yoga and doing various things i've read my fair share of self-help books or hear about various new and old uh different therapies and wellness things that are happening and so when i heard about horticultural therapy it made perfect sense to me but it, i had never heard about it before it really flew under under the radar for me so how are people finding out about 
horticultural therapy in the in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing like you. People are like, oh, I've never heard about it. Because you you never heard about it until and and you were a therapist who liked gardening. It was, you know, um, and almost everybody when they hear about it, it's like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Like it makes sense. Yeah, and so some of that deals with uh, just there's a concept this uh, guy named E. O. Wilson created uh, wrote about called biophilia, and it's this connection we have to life, so plants and animals, uh, and. You know, as modern society, what, what we've tended to do is kind of remove ourselves from that, right? We've, we have buildings, we have air conditioning, we have heat, we have electronics. And so we're, we're spending more time inside than outside. So, and that's really only just a few generations change, you know, you know, our, uh, my parents, particularly grandparents, you know, there was a lot more gardening and that kind of stuff happening. Um, so yeah, how do people find out about it is, uh, by chance is what's happening. Uh, you know, we do have a professional association that I'm, I'm on the board for. And so we do marketing efforts and we're working on, you know, sharing the word. Um, there are some great programs around the country um, that do horticultural therapy programs and have gardens and hospitals. Uh, and so that's where a lot of people get introduced to it too. So if they're, if they're lucky enough to be at a facility that has a, a garden space, they may have a horticultural therapist on staff. One example, um, uh, really a, a group of hospital systems out in Portland, Oregon, uh, and uh, has called Legacy Health. They have multiple gardens and they have horticultural therapists on staff and so they do programs. And so, you know, if, if you're fortunate enough to live in an area where you have that, you're able to get introduced to it. Otherwise, you know, it's um, people just to stumble on the, they, they stumble on the website or they meet somebody and then they do some searching and then they find out about the profession and, and get interested in, in being part of that profession. Very early in our chat, you kind of talked about um, creating an individual uh, plan for uh, for each person. Is this, so are, are you actually anyone's like therapist or does someone have a regular therapist and then it, they refer you for the horticultural therapy aspect of their right and so again i think that can vary so there are some people that go do their own private practice um and so that would be they would connect with people um you have also you have people that um so like i said i'm a rec therapist also or, or therapeutic recreation certified therapeutic recreation specialist so um there's people that have multiple training in different modalities and so then they might do this work as part of that work um uh, there are some people that are licensed counselors or occupational therapists that also become horticultural therapists because they like using horticulture with their overall practice. Um, and so it varies. Right now, one of the challenges that our profession has is we don't, we're not reimbursable by insurance. So there's some, there's some good things with that because we don't have to deal with all those logistics of, of billing and, and managing insurance, um, but people don't know about you as much. And so what happens is sometimes people we'll pay out of pocket or we'll use grant money or donations to run programs uh, or we have a fee for the program. So as a therapist, um, we do a fee for programs. So we go to facilities and they pay us per person to do our program uh, and they use that as part of their, they have to, particularly assisted living facilities have to do a certain number of activities uh, a month for their residents based on how the state says you need to have life enriching or life enrichment activities that way. Um, as individuals with behavioral health, um, if you work at a hospital system, you know, they may have um, a mental health program and they may have 
a horticulture therapist working with other therapists. Um, there's some schools. There's a, a school up in uh, the Northeast called Monarch School, and it works with people, uh, children who have uh, disabilities, intellectual disabilities, autism. Uh, and so they have a horticultural therapist that's on staff that works with occupational therapists. So the students come and they do their horticultural program as part of their overall educational day and therapeutic activities that they do at the program. So that it, it's kind of a, it's a very broad field. So that becomes, uh, there's a lot of different ways people can get involved in that. Mm. You know, gardening seems like it could be kind of a keystone habit for a lot of people that has uh, kind of these downstream impacts. Because you, you mentioned um, something kind of a little more direct and intuitive example of caring for a plant and kind of seeing these metaphors of having to care for your own uh, life and, and putting good nutrients into your own system and, and that sort of thing. But what, what about um, some of the things that um, maybe you wouldn't see on the brochure, but uh, it, it, like it comes to mind, um, say reading about gardening. The, 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 now that now that you're going to get into managing a couple plants and maybe a few more, you're having to do more research and put a little time into that. And now, now you're you're having a, a little more of your, say, downtime after work hours or whatever, being in um, active leisure rather than kind of just passively watching TV or or something like that. And I I can also, uh, you know, imagine just you're growing some peppers or uh, a couple pears once in a while and and uh, you know having that reward of eating something healthy fresh off of the vine uh, or branch or whatever it may be um, it making this connection so then when you're at the grocery store you kind of start just generally picking fresher healthier things as well because you you now have this kind of reward system linked in your mind from doing your own um, gardening. Are there other other things like that that you've seen that, um, again, like stuff you wouldn't it, think about on the surface or see in the brochure for horticultural therapy? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, kind of thinking about how my philosophy is about how horticultural therapy works is, you know, you've got, you've kind of the spectrum, you know, you have the, um, let's say, uh, I've had this injury, I had illness, I'm down here and I'm in a hospital. Uh, and you have the other side of it is, you know, I've gone through the program, I've gone through the treatment, I'm out here in the community, I'm living my life, you know, I, you know, and I may need to come back in and out of treatment depending on what the issue is, or I may have to see a doctor regularly to manage medicines and all that. And then you have this component inside of, so you have your therapeutic kind of thing, you know, what are, uh, what's going on about you therapeutically, uh, you know, let's say it's, you've, you had a heart attack, you know, so you got to deal with your, your physical aspects. Uh, then you have your, um, um, you know, the, there's mental aspects about, you know, maybe you have a heart attack, you know, dealing with that. Uh, and then there's this, the, the nutrition. Uh, and then there's another component that I think uh, that we need to be, be clear about is this, this horticulture and this horticultural education component of the program. You know, so, um, you know, doing, having people in a treatment facility or at a hospital plant plants and grow plants and take them home. But then they need to also know that not only that, but I have to learn some things because when I go home, I'm going to have to do something. Uh, and so then hopefully what we do is there's a, that's a cognitive kind of element 
that it has been shown to benefit. You know, so doing horticultural therapy does improve has has been shown in different populations to increase increase cognitive functioning. And so then we can say, okay, what are resources? And so when we discharge, when somebody gets discharged or someone ends their, their treatment, we think about, okay, are you interested in doing this? How do you find skills? And so giving them skills so then they can go out and do it on their own to me is a really important part of, of treatment and therapy is because we will, we want to empower people uh, to, to, to live a, a healthy life. Uh, you know, we talk about wellness is a, a really important goal. Uh, and it's mentioned a lot, you know, here. And it's so it's the skills of, OK, how do I find information? You know, do I join a garden club? Do I go find a, a, lo a local botanical garden? Most major cities in the country have a botanical garden, if not more than one. So, um, in fact, um, some some data shows that more people visit a botanic garden every year in the U.S. than go into um, some big parks in Florida, uh, some theme parks. So it just in congregate because there's so many of these gardens. So. Um, do I want to be a member of one of those gardens? Do I want to volunteer? Uh, and so those are some elements that we work through each individual and try to help them say, okay, so yeah, you're not, you know, let's, let's say back to the heart attack idea. You've had your heart attack. You, you've had your surgery. You've recovered. You insurance says it's time to go. Uh, or the doctor says you're, you're, you're well enough. Then I want to say, okay, we're doing horticulture. Uh, what do you need? well, I don't know anything about growing vegetables. I'd love to eat healthy vegetables. And that's where we can come in. Okay, so here's some information. We can provide information. And then here's some great resources. Um, I, don't have, I don't have a house. I don't have a yard. Okay, well, there's a community garden uh, half a block from you. Uh, and so go get a plot there and we can connect them up to those resources so then they can do that out in the community. So that's some of what we, we, uh, we try to build into our programs. Some other connections that we've seen um, is, you know, looking at kids and obesity, which is a, may, a huge issue uh, that we're dealing with, is that uh, children who grow vegetables are more likely to at least try and eat those vegetables than if they just saw it in the store. So that's the kind of connection you said. So work kids, this idea of, oh, I grew it. Well, I'm going to at least try it. <laughs> they might not really like it, but they're at least trying new vegetables and helping expand things and nutritional options to help maybe improve uh, their overall nutrition that way. Mm. Say, say I have some young listeners that are listening to this and want to become horticultural therapists themselves or, or look into a related field. How do you, how do you get your job? Um, so typically somebody needs to, uh, to be registered as a horticultural therapist, you have to have a bachelor's degree. Um, and that can be in, in just about any field. Uh, so one of the main components is uh, you have to have uh, horticultural therapy coursework. Uh, and then it's offered at several programs around the country. Uh, the American Horticultural Therapy Association has uh, a credits certificate program. So some folks, let's say you're an occupational therapist and you you found out about this and you're like, this is what I want to do. They'll go and get a certificate in, in uh, horticultural therapy. Uh, and then they, they will do uh, an internship and they'll join and then they'll learn how to incorporate that into their program. So at UT, we have an online certificate program that we just launched this year in horticultural therapy. And so a lot of the people that are taking the course are, are graduates. They already have some profession, but they, they realize and see the benefit of working with plants and then want to learn how to incorporate that. And so we go through that and we teach them how to develop their program plans, how to manage plants, how to connect their other training to using horticulture as a tool. So that's one way that people go about uh, doing that. Um, jobs for horticultural therapists come in a lot of different places. 
a lot of some botanic gardens have horticultural therapists. Um, some hospitals, uh, like I mentioned, out out in, in Oregon, there's some. In NYU Langone in New York City has horticultural therapists on staff. Children's hospitals around the country, um, and so uh, those are some places. Uh, employment opportunities. Um, there's programs that work greenhouses and and people with intellectual disabilities uh, to do uh, vocational training for people using horticulture. Um, and so the, the jobs are, are, and then there are a lot of people that uh, right now in the profession that create their own business. And they just like, I've, I've, I've worked, uh, you know, they get this idea or they have this experience as, you know, I've been doing this for years as an occupational therapist and I'm kind of a little jaded about it, you know, and I don't, I'm ready to do something different. I don't want to be restricted by, um, you know, the healthcare system that's there. So I want to do this. And so they'll create their own business and they'll do private practice. And that gives them the ability to take payments. A lot of people, you know, there's a fee structure based on maybe sliding scales instead of working with insurance. Uh, and so in um, in the U.S., you know, we have, there's actually a called complementary health. And uh, it's a, uh, a pretty big market, you know, where people pay out of pocket for expenses. And, uh, you know, a lot of money a year people uh, spend out of pocket because maybe insurance doesn't cover a treatment that I think is important for me. And so they'll say, well, I can find somebody, I can pay out of pocket to do that. And so horticultural therapy kind of works like that too, where um, some uh, professionals prefer not to be part of a healthcare system, but to run their own business. Mm. And what, what about um, people that are listening to uh, uh, this and um, again, we've kind of talked about this is kind of intuitive for people when they hear about this, like, oh, of course, working with plants, this makes perfect sense. Uh, kind of like uh, people say, you know, having a pet is therapeutic. We'll be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That resonates with a lot of people. Um, uh, uh, what about horticulture as kind of a gateway to therapy? Like, I, I know. Um, I'm from the Midwest uh, and uh, kind of a smaller town upbringing. Ther therapy was something that I don't think I know anyone from my hometown. Certainly no one that I'm aware of in my family or extended family that, as far as I know, has ever even considered going to therapy. It's like... Uh, uh, like I do yoga and when I was growing up, that seems like a weird thing to do. Like, uh, yeah. And, and so what about if you're, if you're just trying to, um, uh, say, say you have your parents or, or some older people in your life that, you know, wouldn't be open to therapy, but this horticultural therapy might be good for them. Are, are there, uh, what are, what are some like, I guess sneaky ways of of getting people into gardening in in ways that they that might be the most therapeutic with them without ever having to even mention therapy in any way. <laughs> well, we don't want to be sneaky about it, but I think what you, you know, this, that, this, this kind sneaky of... <laughs> is not the word that I'm looking for. That was that was uh, that was a poor choice of words. But but I think yeah, I think what you're getting at is kind of important. You know, um, one example is, is the veterans program we did. Uh, and so, you know, as a veteran, they have this whole culture 
you know, it's, yeah. and it's not, you know, anybody that's a civilian doesn't understand that. And they, they don't, uh, they never will. And, and, uh, but some of that is, you know, like this, uh, this, this, this concept that, you know, I'm okay, I'm okay. Uh, and, and nothing's wrong with me. And I certainly don't want to deal with going to counseling that can affect their career, you know, uh, and that can affect the kind of jobs and the payment they get and, and their and going up the ladder and things. Uh, but ultimately, there's their stigma, you know, and so and I think, uh, like you mentioned, you know, where you grew up, it, it's still that way as like going and getting treatment and going to see a counselor still has a very big stigma. Um, and so this is one way to, that I think uh, horticultural therapy can be helpful. Um, you know, and, and when I did our veterans program here, uh, we uh, the program was set up where we, we came in, we did a little introduction, we did activity, uh, a horticultural activity. We did these, you know, connecting that to metaphors in our lives, these, these overall general well-being, mental health themes. And then we did a debriefing every time. And so first session, do it. You know, we go, we're doing the work. We go and we debrief. And, um, you know, I, I'm asking some processing questions. So I'm helping them think through the things we learn, the concepts and how it relates. And then all of a sudden, like these, these veterans, you know, come out and they just start like opening up, like just you know, these really deep thoughts about, you know, what they went through and those things uh, and it helped in the first session. Uh, and so that is the kind of thing that horticultural therapy can do because what we're doing is, and, and there's some studies that related to veterans that show that is that being around plants takes down these walls, you know, cause the plants aren't going to talk back to us <laughs> kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it breaks down uh, a barrier that we often put up if we're, we're talking about things like treatment and therapy. Uh, and so those people, uh, those veterans that are in the program just felt like this was a safe place. Um, and so um, other, other studies have shown that some individuals that go through uh, like psychotherapy, that they would go out and do a garden program uh, as part of, you know, horticultural therapy uh, prior to doing the more intensive uh, uh, psychotherapy treatment. And it lowered their stress. It kind of, again, helped them relax to the point where they can deal with these really deep, dark, traumatic things. Uh, and so I think that's what we can use horticultural therapy for as a way to do that. And also, you know, working, you know, going doing, dealing with plants is, is, is not like going into a therapist's office necessarily or, the, or what, we, what we might think of going into the ther therapist's office is like. Uh, so it's a lot less formal setup as like, you know, this is treatment. And I think people... Um, are able to ex deal with and discuss and, and manage uh, what's going on in a different way with, with horticulture. So like you said, it's, it's not really sneaky, but it is kind of like, uh, you know, you can sit there and you start gardening, you start interacting, you have this social interaction, and then all of a sudden you're talking about major trauma you've dealt with and you're, you're processing through that with either the individual or in a group setting, depending on uh, what type of program you're going through. Yeah, I mean, it's just a way of getting past some of the stigma and mental barriers that we face with. I mean, I had the same with just exercise generally, whereas good luck getting me in a gym. But if you're going and playing some sport or something like that, or there's a game involved, I'm, uh, I'm up for participating. Yeah. Um, so do you have any stories that you could share that you've experienced that were uh, kind of really impactful? Yeah. Um I have several, so I don't know how much time you have. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, so, um, you know, again, we do a lot with uh, this is a living folks. And um, and 
we were we we had a we have a lot of participation, a lot of interest. Um, we uh, a lot of times people. We, one of the things we do is called reminiscing. So we'll we'll bring a plant, we'll talk about plants, and we'll say, okay, tell us about a time when you grew this plant when you were younger. You know, and they'll go through the these people that have dementia that. Um, might be a little bit more advanced. We'll, we'll go through and they'll tell us whole story of their childhood of like their grandparents or their parents growing vegetables and having a garden. And um, but one of the most impactful one situations I, I had with that, one of the populations with this one facility was there was a woman that came, always came, highly engaged. Uh, she would water our plants in the, that we had in the garden when we weren't there. Um, and the most engaged with me uh, and, and engaged in the group and engaged in what we're doing. And the uh, activity director there told me, they said, this is the only activity she comes to. Mm. Her husband died of, a while back and she sits in her room all day until we come. So that's the, and, you know, so it's like, I just thought I was gardening with, <laughs> with her. Yeah. Really, she was doing something. This was such a meaningful thing for her. She would not do anything else but come out when we were doing our garden time. Uh, and so that that really kind of like, this is really important. Like we got to do this, and we got to find a way to get this to anybody and everybody. Uh, another uh, another another situation, we used to work with a program for adults with autism, uh, and so we had a uh, a individual uh, that came with the group, and we would come. They come to our gardens, uh, and they do uh, horticulture work. So we do some vocational training, give them some vocational skills, some social skills. Um, and this one individual came one time and he was six foot tall, big guy, um, didn't, was kind of nonverbal, so he didn't really talk. Uh, but what he would do is he would, um, he would kind of step back from you and look at you and he'd run at you as fast as he could. And he'd stop like right here. So, <laughs> I mean, big guy, I thought he was going to knock me over and he would do that. And so we were in here starting off the activity. What I noticed is what he would, he would do is he'd take like one of these chairs we're sitting in and he just put it on the, it was on the floor and he'd just kind of start scooting it and just like inch by inch, just scoot it. And he'd like feel that vibration and scoot it. And so I was like, what can I do? What can we do to get this guy engaged? And, and I thought, well, we have a 10 acre garden here. We need to, we need to do some mulching. And so we went out there we got a wheelbarrow. We had him get the shovel. We had him fill the wheelbarrow up, grab the wheelbarrow and, take it and he went around and, and emptied the wheelbarrow uh, for our program. So he was doing horticulture work and, and what we did is we saw what he was doing with the chair and he was using that. We, we converted that into a meaningful activity for him that was like, not only that could be a job skill that he could have uh, and was able to refocus him on uh, something that was constructive uh, and not just, um, you know, moving the chair around. And a lot of people, particularly when they, when they interact with somebody that may have autism or have an intellectual disability, um, they'll look at somebody and say, well, they, there's no, nothing valuable there. Mm -hmm. What I try to do is say, they've got value. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we do with, uh, and so that, that was an example of like, we, we made it into this, this guy is providing value. He's doing some, he's volunteering. He's doing something important to the gardens and he's making a connection with, with the program that we're doing. That's amazing. All right, I'm gonna throw some. I'm, I'll throw my situation. I'll, I'll just like come up with like a, a thing that will will sometimes get me into a funk. Uh, here's my situation is such a. I'm in Raleigh at the moment. I have a yard, but I also uh, 
Uh, I also have something I can't tend to every day. Sometimes I'm gone for periods of a time. So, so I throw like I I like to uh, one of the things I like to do. I like to take a, a specific moment where like maybe I'm a little overwhelmed or something like that, and then I like to generalize and like make it about. I I like to. I like to have like a, you know, a day where I didn't check off everything on my to-do list. And then I like to make that bigger than it is and uh, turn it into how I'll never be able to get enough done in life. And then about how no matter what I do, it'll never be enough. And then I like to just like get into a big existential funk about the uh, the meaning of, of life. And is any of this worth doing? And I like to just let futility just kind of wash over me. That, that's kind of my default funk that I'll that I'll get into. What do you recommend for like a pear tree, or what do you what do you think? Yeah. What are you thinking for that uh, one? You know, so you know, I think for you know what you're saying, I think you know, and really that that's a that can be a that's a common issue a lot of people have, right? You know, yeah, that maybe, yeah. and so and, and to look at that. And so what uh, if we're looking at, you know, uh, a garden space and, you know, you travel, you don't want something that takes a lot of maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, trees are a good option. There's a lot of different options for trees that you can choose depending on the space and where you're at, uh, size of trees. And so learning what's a good tree to, to, to grow, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And so a lot of fruit trees can be very frustrating because sometimes you have to spray them for diseases and things. So uh, if, you, if you're like, I want to try a fruit tree, you know, do this is where you talk about the, the research and learning, you know, go to your local garden center. And you're like, okay, here's my situation. Uh, I'm looking for a fruit tree. Uh, you know, if you pear, if you like pears, you know, and say, well, I'm interested in a pear tree. What do you have? Some things they might produce or, or might suggest are trees uh, that are disease resistant, you know, so scientists have cultivated these trees that are more likely to be successful at growing. Uh, and so we don't have to spray them with fungicides or something more often so that, that that can be an option uh one of the things i with with gardening uh is um that i always suggest too is in, in a horticultural setting is looking at planting uh you might have heard of like the right plant right place kind of thing so yeah everyone kind of wants the exotic plants no matter where if, if they're in the south they want plants from the north if they're in the north they want plants from if the you, south if yeah. you live in at las vegas or you live live out west and uh don't plant turf yeah, you know, because yeah. you're going to have to deal with watering it, you know. So one thing that a lot of people, are, uh, plant folks, are really focused a lot on is native plants, you know. And so finding native plants because they're typically adapted to live in the environments that we we're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they usually are more uh, disease resistant, more drought tolerant of the climate. You know, we obviously are we're seeing a lot of dramatic changes in that. So that that does still challenge things. Um, uh, but also looking at okay, if I do travel a lot, what's something that will do well here when I don't? I'm not here to water it, you know. Uh, and so there, there's some plant choices you can make that are native plants. I think is one way then to help give you some. Okay, this works. You know, uh, there's some new new methods or new ideas of, of growing plants, um, uh, and where you have it more of like a natural look, you know. So. Now, depending on where you live, like if you live in an HOA, uh, they might get a little upset if you have it look a little more natural. Right. <laughs> but but uh, so there's some things you can do to plant around that. Looking for plants that attract wildlife. Uh, so 
so, uh, you know, in, in the South, uh, some things that I grow, uh, I, I enjoy growing a lot uh, are things like um, uh, Joe Pieweed. And it's a it's a native plant and there's different cultivars. You typically see it on the side of the road and it's like six foot tall. But there's some new cultivars that they've created that are only like four foot tall. So you can think of uh, things like butterfly uh, attractive plants. So um, the genus is Asclepsias, so milkweeds, butterfly weeds, and you know, planting a lot of flowers that bring in wildlife. Because then you also have not only do you have the plant life, but you have the wildlife coming into it. Um, so again, I think looking at things that need low maintenance, and I, I'm. I just just to be honest, I'm I'm kind of lazy sometimes myself. And so I, I do prefer plants that I'm not having to go out there. You know, roses are beautiful. I'm not going out there deadheading them and uh spraying them or, or buying, you know, you know, knockout roses that don't need don't need treatment. You know, I, I'll I'll do more native plants because I don't have to do as much fussing with them if I'm not there or run out of town. So that that's that that's probably what I would suggest. But also thinking about, you know, connecting that to the, the other situation you mentioned, you know, this, you know, one thing going bad, you know, and understand that, um, and this is a hard, this is a concept, but, you know, even this year, you know, we, in, in this area, we had really dry spring and then we had a really wet July and then a really dry August, September, October. And so some of the plants, I'll just be honest, I didn't go out and water every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to replant some of those things and know that, uh, partly that's my fault. Uh, but partly there's there's things outside of my control. Uh, so what I can do is I can do a little better job next year, maybe change some plant selections and do some other things to make it to where I, I can we can deal with the, the drought that we had here this year, too. Mm. I'm, uh, I'm I'm going to feel like a fool if I if uh, six months from now I have a little garden and I'm just on top of life and and no, no longer getting like swallowed up by anhedonia and like uh, realizing I, I just needed like a couple more trees <laughs> in my life. <laughs> All these other things I've spent the, trying to fix over the last 25 years of my life, I just needed a couple trees and some right. plants. <laughs> um, you are giving a, giving a talk for One Health Day um, uh, coming up. What, what's your connection to the One Health Initiative? Um, so, uh, you know, it's a program here at the university uh, that deals with uh, health on a really broad scale, I, I guess is the, the way I understand it. Yeah. Um, concepts of uh, dealing with things like global issues, but also individuals. Uh, and so, I, you know, last year, I think I gave a tour for them. And, and so um, they have uh, what's amazing. The program is they're working with a lot of different professors from different backgrounds. Very interdisciplinary. Um, and so it's really exciting. Um, and so they, they wanted me to come talk a little bit about my program and I'm just starting to get involved with them. And I hope that, uh, you know, they have some funding opportunities too. So where you can collaborate. And so that's what I'm looking for is, you know, I'm always interested in looking at how can we do stuff together, you know, cause I'm, I can do the horticultural therapy, uh, but I don't necessarily know, uh, you know, one of the things that people are starting to look at is like biometric screening, you know, like measuring not just looking at the observation, like this person gets better, but like there's something inside them that we can measure. You know, there's other researchers on campus that are really good at that, just need to connect up and say, hey, let's work together. And so that's kind of what the One Health is doing is is really bringing those people to get different people together and using each skill that we have to make a better uh, better impact on, on the area and the community. 
Yeah, that's the really cool thing about it is just how many different disciplines they get interacting with one another. It's uh, it's really cool. If people want to find out more, well, one, if people want to find out more about your work, but also if people happen to be in Knoxville and maybe want to see some of the um, gardens on campus or, yeah. or, or see a listing of any kind of maybe related events or anything like that. Uh, yeah, so we have a website. Uh, it's um, it's uh, best way is just to search UT Gardens. Yep. The UT Gardens is actually a system. We are called the State Botanic Garden of Tennessee. Uh, and so we actually have three public gardens right now. They're open to the public. So the first one's in Knoxville. So if you're in Knoxville, we're located on the uh, agricultural campus uh, right next to the University of Tennessee Veterinary Hospital Veterinary School. It's free to come. So that's great. You know, so. Um, on the nights and weekends, you know, after five uh, and on weekends, there's parking available. Uh, we have 10 parking spaces for visitors during the day, during business hours. Uh, the only time I would not, uh, you can't really get here and park is when we have home football games uh, because that parking is used for something else. But the gardens is always open. We've intentionally not had an entrance fee because we feel like this is the, the state university or the state botanical garden. We want the residents of the state and people from outside of the state to come and experience our gardens. Uh, we have one in Crossville, Tennessee, and then we have a third one in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, and so those are all open to the public. Each has its a little, little bit different characteristics. We do research there. Uh, we have some programs at different ones. Uh, and then uh, we do, uh, and it just, again, it's just for, for residents to come and visit and learn. Um, on that website, uh, the UT Gardens website, we have a list of activities and events going on. We have education programs just for the general population. Uh, we also have some ways to request information if you're interested in uh, do, us doing programs for you. And so we, we design programs. We do consulting work uh, for different groups. Um, and uh, we have our certificate program. If somebody's interested in getting more into it, more formal education, uh, we have that opportunity to just from, you can get that from our website. Fantastic. And uh, listeners, if you want to support the Garden of Knowledge, that is the Here We Are podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash Shane, M-A-U-S-S, to support the show and me getting more wonderful guests like this. Uh, thank you so much, Derek Selwell, for joining me. I thank really you. appreciate our conversation. And thank you, listeners, for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you next week.